good morning, fellowship. Wow, that was sleepy. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, fellowship. It is so great to be with you all as we celebrate and we grow in the reality of, of who Jesus is. A.W. Tozer had this to say about who Jesus is. He said, Jesus is not one of many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of several ways to, uh, but he is the only way. Amen? And, and Jesus himself actually said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one that makes an eternal difference in our past and in our present and in our future, and that is worth celebrating. Would you agree? He is worth celebrating. Are you with me? He is worth cheering for. Are you with me? All right. <laughs> well, let's stand and do just that. Let's do 
Yeah, he's worthy of it. You may be seated. We needed something that we could do together that would start our marriage on a strong foundation. Even if you know that both your values line up, it's good to talk about it and, and kind of hear where your significant other stands on all that. You're nervous, you show up to the door, you don't really know the people, but as soon as you get in and have a conversation, you realize I'm home. You know, yeah, you have great conversation when you go and you sit at Merge with your group, but at the same time, you go home and you have even better conversation. Merge just gives you a lot of different resources, not only the time together to talk with each other, but it just gives you people in your life that you know you can go to, and it's just a safe place, and we like to share our imperfections and that this is something we're still working on. Every time we leave, we grow closer and closer together. Over and over, communication was something that was key in every single lesson. Talking about kind of our past and how we were raised in our families. Being able to discuss that before we were married helped set our marriage up with a strong foundation. Having people with you that you can talk to and really open up with and meet week after week was super encouraging and super helpful and really made the experience great for us. Having a leader couple who has experienced a lot of these things, who's been through it, I think that was really good. They're there to answer mm -hmm. your questions and, oh yeah, we were there, or. Yeah, we've been there before. We know what that's like. Yeah, we've experienced and this is that. some things we did to get through it. Uh, right after we got married, we had an older couple that kind of instilled uh, wisdom and everything onto us, kind of guided us. I thought that would be a great experience for us to be able to do the same thing for couples that are about to be married and kind of shepherd them into the kind of this new world of uh, marriage. You have so much to give and uh, we do. We do have 10 years of marriage, but we try to show them that it's not always going to be perfect and perfect and we're still learning and we're just here to help them guide them along the way. I think we just were really wanting to do something before we got married. When Merge fell into our lap, we realized it's a great opportunity to bond with the church and with others in a different way. I was nervous coming in in the sense of, am I even gonna feel comfortable enough to speak? Is this really gonna do anything for me if I don't? And so afterwards we had the conversation of like, if we're gonna do this, we have to get like comfortable with the uncomfortable to be able to get any kind of progress. What can you do now to set yourself up for success and make sure to keep God as the center of your relationship? Having a community to other couples that you can lean on, that is extremely beneficial. It makes you have those conversations that you wouldn't have. And those conversations have to be had, I think, in order to have a, a great foundation and relationship as you start into marriage. And Merge did that. I had never felt so connected to him than the moment we got married. And I was like, Merge had a lot to do with that. Everything we do at Fellowship, we want to funnel you toward belonging, being known at our church. We want to funnel you toward growing as a follower of Jesus. And we want to funnel you toward being sparked to want to serve in some way, whatever that is. And so that opportunity is actually launching this Sunday, our fall merge session. If you're sitting in here, and this is for you or for someone you know, then if you want that experience, to belong and grow when it comes to preparing for marriage, then it is gonna launch right now. And if you can't do it now, there'll be a spring session that you can sign up for. But if that's now for you, then it's eight weeks. If you're seriously dating or you're engaged, come jump in and be a part of that way of connecting and growing. So there's that. My name is Simon Foster.
And I really get a, I have a fun opportunity this morning to share an announcement about another on-ramp into connecting at our church, which is men's opportunities. So men, look at me. Are you all looking at me? And women, if you have a man that you wanna invite to this, look at me. We got everybody? I think so, okay. I get to bring up my friend, Travis Pennington. Come on up. Give some love to Travis. What he does is important. Thanks, Travis. Hey, right now, you are helping me live out my dream. Everybody, you're in this with me. I've dreamed for so long that I would be a pastor that needed a security guard. <laughs> like the dream, it's happening right now. Travis, you made it happen. But on a serious note, I want Travis to share why are men's opportunities important and how was it personally for you? Awesome, so bear with me, I'm a little nervous. Um, this is just a snippet into my story. Uh, if you've been at Fellowship for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard somebody mention the power of our story. Um, I was born in a church, basically. I knew Jesus at a young age, and I felt like my story was a little bland. Um, needless to say, about three years ago, that, that changed a lot, and um, I hit my version of my rock bottom. I did not know, didn't know what to do. Um, didn't know what to turn to. I didn't really feel any value in anything. My marriage was on the rocks. Like, how do you hold this all together? And in that um, moment of surrender where I waved my white flag to Jesus and said, okay, I can't do this. You're gonna have to step up. Um, I realized real quick, I didn't have any godly men in my life that I could, that I could open up to, um, that could speak truth into my life. And I recognized how important that actually was. I was born in this town. I've, I work here. I feel like I know a lot of people, but I didn't know anyone that way. And so I remember seeing, you know, one of these QR codes pop up and I were thinking, that's it. I've got to go to that. And uh, 6.30 in the morning can sound a little early. It is for me, but I was up before my alarm went off. I was eager to be there and walking in the door. I didn't care if I had to work. I was going to show up in uniform. If I was off, I was up. And um, through that, I met some awesome men. And some of them are sitting in this room and you know who you are. We meet together, and it's all different. There's all different relationships, but I now have that, and I value those relationships so much. I make them a priority. If I get a text, I reply. <laughs> if I'm going through something, I know who's gonna answer their phone. And um, that men's Bible study really helped. I mean, it helped rekindle relationships and build relationships that I needed. It's so easy for men to isolate and think we can do it ourselves, and we don't open up enough, and this was, this was exactly what I needed. If you want the experience that Travis had, please show up this Tuesday in Springdale. You can be a part of a men's opportunity with us. Or Wednesday, you can be here in Rogers on our campus um, over at the Lodge. And Springdale will be at 412 Annex. But what he experienced, if that's something that is either important for you or someone you know, just invite them. It'll be at 630 to 730. I'd love to see you there. Travis will be there. And we'd love to have you. So that's one on-ramp into belonging, growing, and learning how to serve at our church. So you're all invited, if you're a male, to that opportunity. And also, I just wanna tell you that uh, Travis is up on the stage, and he didn't really know this, but Travis and I together would like to just pray over this service for you. So I'm gonna bring him into this. Um, and here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this. It's gonna be a thankful prayer. I want every time I talk about identity in my prayer, I'm gonna share a point 
about I am this in Jesus, and I want you to receive that. Everybody close your eyes, and let's just do this together. Our identity in Jesus is what matters most. God, thank you that I am your child, that I have been justified, that I am your friend, that I belong to you, that I am a member of your body. God, thank you that I've been established, anointed, and sealed by you. I am a citizen of heaven. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen before the creation of the world. I am holy and blameless. I am forgiven. I am adopted as your child. I have purpose. I have worth. I have hope. I am included into your plans. I am an overcomer. I am protected. I am a new creation. I am qualified to share in your inheritance. I am the righteousness of God. I am safe. I am secure. I am a part of your kingdom. I can understand that your will is good. I have God's power. The power that conquered the grave is with me. I am victorious. Thank you for this new identity I have in you. Kill the lies that are in my life. Help me to live this truth every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this together as a family.
be seated. From the Apostle Paul to believers in the church of Ephesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, not anyone in this room can claim that act, that incredible gift of grace as the one, the author of it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, last week, um, Heath shared some rich personal insights on this passage in hopes that we as a spiritual family would be, to quote him, encouraged, and that we would resting in, in who we are in Christ. And as we prepare to study God's Word together as a family, this passage is worth remembering. It's worth remembering that this incredible act of grace is God's doing. It's His work alone. It's His act of love and mercy. He is the one that has literally brought us together from all over the world as a forever family. That's good news, isn't it? And so as we continue in our worship and we sing a very familiar song, I want to encourage you to open up your hearts and let these powerful words wash over you anew. That it wouldn't be just a testament of what God has done for his people, but it would be oh so much more an opportunity for you personally to publicly and passionately declare your intention to stand in. And as Keith encouraged us last week, to rest in who we are in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i
celebrate you and the power we have in you to stand a firm foundation that cannot be shaken you offer us an, an inheritance that will never perish never fade never spoil and so as we look into your word and seek your heart and hear your voice God speak to us teach us transform our lives, be more like you. We pray all this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. One of my most vivid memories of a wall or a barrier um, for my growing up years was the Berlin Wall. It was this iconic symbol. Do you remember it? This is iconic symbol of division, of a division of dividing East and West Berlin. And for those of you that are my age and older, you will remember how it was often on the news or the subject of a TV show or in the movies. It was fascinating. We would see stories about people who were trying to escape East Germany over the wall. Do you remember all the contraptions and things people did? but it was a dividing wall. It divided East from West. It divided, divided communism from democracy. It divided control and freedom. It was a dividing wall. And in our passage today, there is a division. It may not be a physical, actual barrier, but in many respects, it's a greater barrier. It's the barrier of prejudice, and we see it so often throughout history and throughout humanity, it almost seems like it's a part of being human, to be prejudiced. You see it all over the world. Think about Northern Ireland. You have the, the Catholics and the Protestants. You have division. You, you go to the Middle East, even among the, the, the Muslim faith and Islam, the, the Sunnis and the Shias, or regionally in that part of the world, you have the Israelis and the Arabs. Even down in Australia, where things always seem to be okay, they're pretty easygoing people. You have the, the, the national Australians, and you have the Aborigines. In South Africa, they had apartheid. Here in the United States, we had the Civil War. Oftentimes, this prejudice is based out of racism, but also can be much bigger than that. In the first century, it was no different. The Romans... The Romans didn't like anyone who wasn't Roman. The Greeks, they didn't like anyone who didn't speak Greek. Matter of fact, they called people who didn't speak Greek barbarians. But if you didn't speak Greek, they called you a barbarian because it sounded like you were just saying bar, ba, bar, ba, bar. They were prejudiced, and the Jews were no different. The Jews looked down on everyone who wasn't a Jew. And so here's what we're going to learn from our passage today. That reconciliation with Christ, 
This vertical reconciliation leads to reconciliation with others. That's what we're going to see. Reconciliation with Christ leads to reconciliation with others. And if we were to break down our passage into smaller segments, here's what it would look like. First, you're going to see in verses 11 through 13 the nature of reconciliation. That Paul's going to lay it out. In the next four verses, you're going to see the means of reconciliation. And then lastly, you're going to see the results of reconciliation. And hopefully, we'll be able to apply those to our lives as well. We pick up the study in verse 11. Last week, Caleb taught the first half of chapter 2. This week, we're going to take care of the second half of chapter 2. Last week, he talked about salvation for the individual believer. This week, we're going to talk about the difference between the Jew and the Gentile. We'll start our passage in verse 11, and it says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Look at that first word, therefore. So he goes back. And he's really referring to multiple places in the passage, really the whole passage of 1 through 10. But what he's saying is, therefore, we, got, we have a sin problem. We have a problem, and it's sin. We have a solution, and it's, it's grace. It's Jesus. And then we we're called to action. In several places last week, we were called to action. It culminates in verse 10 where he says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Therefore, remember. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised. And that word uncircumcised there is meant to disparage them. You see, you have the circumcision, the Jews. You have the uncircumcision, everyone else. And this idea, this physical act of circumcision which is how the Jews identified themselves. And everyone who wasn't circumcised, they looked down on and they said, you're, you're them. You're the barbarians. They were prejudiced against them. The Jews had immense contempt for the Gentiles. Listen to this. Many Jews believed that the Gentiles were created by God to be the fuel for the fires of hell. It was not lawful for a Jew to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of need, for that would simply be to bring another Gentile into the world. Are you getting the picture? If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, they would have their funeral because they were no longer a part of the family. There's an incredible divide here. Now, look how all this started because it, how it ended up in the first century was not how it started. Back in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said this to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, who would eventually be Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Were they being a blessing? I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. You see, God set aside this, this people, this Jewish people, and, and the reason he set them aside, and they weren't anything special when he chose them, just like you and me. When he chose them, he weren't, they weren't anything special. They were a small people. 
And he says, I'm gonna make you into a people. I'm gonna give you a land. I'm gonna give you blessing. And the reason for that is so that you can be a blessing to everyone else. You see, somewhere along the way, they lost their vocation. And then look at verse 12. Remember. Remember, you Gentiles, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. For these Gentile people, it was a pretty hopeless situation. Matter of fact, during the first century, they would say there was lots of despair. There was a lack of hopelessness going on because the Gentiles, they didn't share in what the Jews were able to share in. I think I have the five privileges listed there that the Gentiles didn't get to enjoy, that the Jews did get to enjoy. They were separate from Christ. You see, they had no corporate national hope centered on a Messiah. The, the Jews did. They were waiting for the Messiah. Matter of fact, they're still waiting for the Messiah. And the Gentiles, they didn't have that hope. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel. The Gentiles, they didn't have a, a nation like Israel that they could, they could look towards, they could be a part of, that, that God planned to do something through. They were essentially aliens from Israel in a sense. They were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. They had no direct promises from God like the Jews did. You could see how this would create incredible animosity. They were without hope. They had no corporate future promised to them like the Jews did. They were without God in the world. They were godless. You might remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You remember? We Jews, we worship what we do know, but you, you Gentiles, you, you, you Samaritans, you worship what you don't know. You see, they had no hope of a future. But I want you to look at 13. Look at what Paul says. But now. You see, that but now, if you're one of those people who write in their Bible, circle that, but now, and that, that relates back to formerly you. And we're going to see later, he's going to say consequently or because. So formerly you, who were all these things without hope, without God, without a place, he's saying, but now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. But now, you see, Jesus, he is the peace. He's made the two groups one. Sin results in death and separation, but Christ's obedience results in reconciliation with God and reconciliation with other people. He destroyed that dividing wall of hostility. Now, you might say, well, what's this dividing wall? Is it like the Berlin Wall? Uh, we don't really know. There's some ex examples. There's some illustrations of it. If you were a, a uh, Gentile or a Jew during the time of the Temple Mount, if you came to worship God, so say you were a Gentile convert into Christianity or you started following God, and you came to worship God at the temple, if you were a Gentile, you had to stay outside that red line that red line was called, the, the outside of that was called the court of the Gentiles. That red line would have represented a wall that's about this high, four and a half, five feet tall, and it would have divided. And if you were a Gentile, you couldn't come. Not only could you not go in the temple, you couldn't get close to the temple. Think about what that would have felt like. Would you have felt like a second-class citizen? Yes. 
And that's called the court of the Gentiles. Matter of fact, on that wall was this inscription. No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death. You see, there's incredible division there. Even for those who, Gentiles who would convert to Judaism, which you could do, you were still a second-class worshiper. I think I've got some the divisions listed here. If you think about it, you, you, have the, you have the barrier in the middle. They're separate. They're excluded. There's this barrier, this dividing wall of hostility. On one side, you have the Gentiles who are uncircumcised. They're foreigners. They're without hope in the world. On the other side, you have Israel, the circumcision, the citizens, and they're under the covenant promise, but they had lost their vocation. Instead of being a blessing and a light to the world, an ambassador to the world, they had done this tick-tock, the game's locked. And, and although people would convert to Judaism, they made it difficult. We don't really want you in this thing. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. So let me ask you a question. Are there divisions like that, maybe a little bit different that exist today? Think about the last two and a half years. Are we, are we more divided today than we were five years ago as a people? There's lots of potential divisions, isn't there? You kind of look at that. There, there, there's things like age and race and culture and gender, ethnicity, disability even, sexuality, education, political affiliation, economic standing, you see, here's what Paul's going to tell us, is in the body of Christ, there may be incredible diversity. You, but in the body of Christ, well, you may sit near someone who has a different ideological beliefs than you, but there should be this unifying thing that, that comes, that reconciliation with God leads to reconciliation with others. This should be the most unified group of people in the world. But as you look on social media, sometimes the Christians don't seem very unified, do we? It's a little convicting. We see in verse 15 how God destroyed this dividing wall of hostility. Look at the thing. He says this, by setting aside in his flesh... By Jesus setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Now what he's saying here is so rich. That what he's saying is Jesus came and he literally set aside the law, the Mosaic law, and he brought a new law. The new law is grace. The new covenant is in his blood. We're gonna to come to the table in just a little while. We're gonna take communion and we do that so that we remember, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us, this great unifying thing, both for Jew and for Gentile. By setting aside in his flesh the law and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new if you write in your Bible, underline that word new. It's the word hanon. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. One new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So there's two reconciliations going on here. The first reconciliation is that against the Mosaic law. 
the, the Mosaic law probably was a large cause of this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And in Jesus' death, he fulfilled the demands of the Mosaic law and destroyed that barrier. I want you to listen to what this one expert who's talking about this Jew-Gentile thing, I want you to listen to what he says of what's going on here. Jesus Christ had two purposes in ending the hostility. First, he wanted to create one new entity, the church, out of the members of the two former groups, Jews and Gentiles. In the church, God does not deal with the Gentiles as he did with the Jews, nor does he deal with the Jews as he did with the Gentiles. Jews do not become Gentiles, and Gentiles do not become Jews in the church. Rather, God has created this, this whole new group, Canaan, this whole new community. In the church, believing Jews are Christians. In the church, believing Gentiles are Christians. God now deals with both believing Jews and believing Gentiles equally as Christians. Most of you sitting in this room, you're saying, this is, this is deep stuff. You see, we're mostly, probably everyone in here, almost everyone in here, would be known as a Gentile. You're not from Jewish ethnic descent, most likely. If you are, good for you. Most of us are Gentiles in this room. And he's saying whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile, it doesn't really matter. There's this Canaan. He could have used the word. He could have used the word neos, which would have been new, been new of the same. He didn't use that word. He used this word Canaan, new of different. I'll illustrate it this way. My son Jack, when he was in high school, he came to me and said, Dad, I want a new car. I said, well, so do I, you know. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I shot down stuff like this pretty quick most often. You see, we had this car in our family. It's, the, it's actually a pretty nice car, but it's got a lot of dents, and everybody drives it, and, uh, and they get to put dents in it as well. I'm sorry. Matter of fact, one of our kids ran into a car in the parking lot at church one day, and they called my wife, and they said, hey, we ran into a car in the parking lot. My wife asked, what kind is it? They said, I don't know, but it's got these spokes Sounds like a Mercedes to me. <laughs> Fortunately, they go to Bentonville now. So, <laughs> But anyway, my son, he's, he's, he's wanting to buy a new car. He said, Dad, I want a new car. And I was thinking he wanted something nicer. He wanted to look cooler. He said, no, 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 no. I don't care if it's worse than what I have now. He says, I want a new car, but it's going to be a new different. It's going to be fresh. Dad, I want a truck because that's what men drive. And I kind of smiled. He said, and you know what? We went out and got him a truck. It was a piece of junk. It was a Toyota Tacoma with 175,000 miles. It squeaked when it drove. And he was so happy because he wanted something new and fresh, not like the sedan that he was driving that was actually nicer in some respects. He wanted something new and different. And that's what Paul's saying here is, is God created something new and different in the church for both believing Jews and believing Gentiles. And then you see in verse 16, the second re reconciliation. So there's this reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, and then there's a second reconciliation. And in one body, the church, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So there's a reconciliation with each other. There's a reconciliation with God going on. And, this, and through this reconciliation with God, through Christ, we can be reconciled with others. 
that this dividing wall of hostility can come down and should come down. It should not exist in the body of Christ, and he's created this thing called the church. And then we see in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentile, and peace to those who were near, the Jew, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, you may say, now, it makes sense. This Gentile need to be reconciled to God because they were so far away and they didn't, they didn't have this, I guess, understanding of God. But what about the Jew? Why would the Jew have to be reconciled to God? I thought they were God's chosen people. Well, they are. But it's, it's this, it's this, it's not, it's gotta be through faith. To be a true child of Abraham, to be a true child of God, you have to have faith, whether you're Jew or Gentile. We see this in Galatians chapter 3, written by Paul. He says this, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous. I have this question a lot when people think in the Old Testament, how do you become a Christian in the Old Testament? The same way you do in the New Testament. You believe God. You believe that this Messiah was coming. You see, Abraham didn't become a child of God when he was circumcised. He became a child of God that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Look at verse seven. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. The true Israelite, the true Jew. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's getting pretty thick, isn't it? You see, it takes faith to be a follower of Christ. It takes faith to be a part of the church and all those who believe in God, whether Jew or Gentile, have been reconciled to each other and to God by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. If you want to go for a little bit of a deeper study, you can look at Romans chapter 9. All through Romans, Paul talks about this Jew-Gentile thing, this Abraham, uh, children of Abraham thing. But I want to read this for you. Just listen along. In Romans 9, here's what Paul says. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So what he's saying is in, in the Israelite community, in the Jewish community, there is an Israel within Israel. And he's saying not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. It takes faith to be a descendant of Abraham, to be like Abraham, to be part of God's family. And then look what he says in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter two. Consequently, you see in the beginning he said, formerly you were this, you were separate, you're on the outside looking in, but now through Christ you are Reconciled to God and to others. Consequently, you who are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ himself as the chief 
cornerstone. He's saying, you used to be a foreigner, and now you're a fellow citizen. You used to be a foreigner, and now you're a family member. You used to be on the outside looking into the temple saying, I can't even get close to the temple. What he's about to say, you now are the temple. This is incredible stuff. You are the body of Christ built up. On the one time you were outside looking in, now you're on the inside. Not only are you on the inside, you are part of the temple. Now, I know there's someone here today, maybe it's your first Sunday, and you're kind of going, man, I came to church, and I'm struggling in my marriage, or maybe you have a, a, an addiction issue, or maybe you have an anxiety issue, and you're like, I just need help with me. And this guy keeps talking about Jews and Gentiles and all this stuff. What does this matter? I'm going to tell you, it really matters. One, it helps you understand the Bible. It really does. Understanding this Jew-Gentile relationship, it helps you understand the Bible. But two, let me explain it like this. A personal story. Two weeks ago, this Saturday, I stood in front of our family and friends and got to perform the, the marriage ceremony of my, our oldest daughter and her now husband. It was really sweet. We were at the ballroom at I Street in Bentonville. It was a sweet time outside with family and friends. And, and after the ceremony, it was pretty overwhelming just for me being the dad doing that. But then, then we moved inside to kind of the reception and, and I got to give a, a father of the bride toast. And as I stood there and I'm looking at all these people, it, it was overwhelming because the Hannons were there and the Prims were there and the Morses were there and all these people we had raised our daughter along with and who had poured life into our daughter and, and Thomas and Paige Brown were there. Thomas was the, the student ministry pastor when Lexi was growing up and, 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 and Caitlin Graves was there. She was Lexi's cell group leader and, and staff person and the Mulvaney's, and the Wilson's, and the Veliquettes who, who poured into us over the years and, and helped us raise our kids and prayed for our children, and we, we patterned our prayer life after them. And all these people are sitting in here, and they've poured into us. And I'm looking out at their face, and you see, that is what he's talking about, the body of Christ, the church. It's why we tell you, get in a small group, because you need a group of people to process life with. That's what Paul is telling them, that you're no longer on the outside looking in. You're part of the inside. Act like it. You are the reconciliation. My family has lived it. Look at verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, listen to this, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, if you are, if you are a child of God, if you believe in God, if you believe that Jesus did what he said he did and accomplished what he said he accomplished, you have the Holy Spirit living in you and the people of God gathered together studying the word of God led by the spirit of God is a transformative thing. It's an incredibly reconciling thing. And I'm telling you, this group of people shouldn't look like the culture. 
We live in a world of cancel culture, don't we? Cancellation culture. And we should be a people of reconciliation. We should no longer be focused on trying to to, to be what we're not about. We should be focused on being what we are together. And the body of Christ can look very different racially. It can look very different um, economically and and gender-wise and all of this because we are the unity in the body of Christ. We are together, male and female, rich and poor. So how do we apply this? How do we work this out in our life? And I would say two things, and I'm gonna pray to this end. One, is there someone you need to reconcile with this week? Is there some kind of debate maybe you've had in the last two years? Maybe it was about a mask or a vaccination or a political stand. You need to reconcile with them. You need to tell them, hey, what's most important to me is this. Second, is there a prejudice in your life? Is there something or some group of people that you have this prejudice against? Maybe you need to pray to that end. My hope and prayer is that we are a people who are reconciled to God and therefore are reconciled to each other and we are a testimony about him to the watching world. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your word. Even the deep passages like this, we're so grateful for. May we be a people who are not about cancellation that we would be about reconciliation. May we be a people though diverse, that we would be united. Lord, would you speak to each of us individually? Is there someone in our lives that we need to reconcile with? Would you bring that name to mind? Would you put it on our heart? Lord, is there any prejudice in our heart? Is there a dividing wall in us personally? Maybe it's by the way someone looks. Maybe it's by the way someone acts. Maybe it's because they believe something that we don't agree with. Lord, may our relationship with you be preeminent. May our walk with you illustrate our life with you. May we be a people of reconciliation.
Revelation 7 paints this picture of all God's people gathered together, worshiping the Lord. And if you think that's gonna look like a bunch of middle-class Southerners who speak Southern English and watch SEC sports on the weekends, you're mistaken. It's gonna be a group of people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And they're gonna look somewhat like us, but different. They're gonna talk different than us. They're gonna smell different than us. But it's gonna be the body of Christ gathered together, worshiping the Lord. For the purpose of reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other, Christ's body broken for you and for me. Take and eat. Christ's blood shed for you and me. Take and drink. Let's worship the word, Lord, together.
name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's declare this. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, the silence, the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are celebrate the reconciling work that God has done in the lives of all believers in this place. Out there, out there the world is trying to divide all of us in every single area of our lives. Not just politics, but where we shop, who we let our kids play with, who we associate with. And that, my friends, is not God's design. Amen? So as a family, may we commit to be agents of that reconciling work. May we bring people together through the message of the gospel under the banner of his love. Amen? Yeah. That's, let's commit. Let's commit to it. It's good. So as we leave that, this place, go and do. Go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And also our prayer team, as always, is right over there. If there's an area of your life that you would like another brother or sister to lift something up in your life, they love serving you that way. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. But God bless you. Have a great weekend.